up, everybody? This is episode 13 of Left 4 Dread. What's up, Dreffles? What a way to kickstart our October than with A, episode 13, which may or may not have been done on purpose, but B... It was totally planned. It was totally planned. It was totally planned. But B, with a little spoopy get-to-know-your-hosts, but not in the nice sense. Yeah, we're going to be exploring our deepest phobias and and reviewing films that we selected that fit that theme. So today, um, on this episode, we're going to go over my phobia, uh, and then th- the following episode, we're going to go over Ryan, uh, Ryan's phobia, and we picked two movies each, um, and uh, today we watched and we will... Well, today we will be reviewing Brain Scan and Stay Alive. Um, I have to say I loved both of them. (laughs) They were... Okay, I... This is one of those times where, like, you just gotta drop, like, the elitism of, like, of um, movie reviews. Because I know both of these movies got pretty terrible reviews, at least from, like, the professional film critic... Oh, they absolutely yeah, did. No, they did. But it's like, no, these movies are great. These are fun. These are pulpy. They're uh, campy. I love them. So um, so just to backtrack a little bit, or just to give some context. So the reason why we chose these these two flicks uh, is because of my phobia. Um, my, what, am I, what am I spooked about? So... Um, this is no surprise. This is uh, spoiler alert. Like I love horror movies. I, I, I like a lot of weird, dark stuff. I had no uh, idea. Thank I you know for me what, on the thirteenth episode of this here? podcast. I had no idea, no clue. Uh, I, it's crazy. I just fell into this. But um, <laughs> uh, the one thing that like legit like freaks me out um, is horror video games. I mean, I. I, I I've been a fan of video games for a while, um, but when it comes to horror video games, I'm like a super scaredy cat, and I I was trying to think of today of like what what's the reason? Um, I think part of it is because I mean honest I I I enjoy playing video games. Um, I honestly don't have a lot of time to play them as much these days, but. I feel like I'm bad at video games, which is weird. I mean, you can you can enjoy video games, you can still be bad at them, and I think I fall into that category. So when you have um, horror video games, especially horror games, which have been going through a bit of a renaissance, uh, I guess in the last um, at least at least like the last uh, five years, maybe maybe six years. Um, where a lot like a lot of really popular games like Amnesia, well, wow, Amnesia is pretty old already, but like Amnesia or Outlast, um, uh, or Soma, uh, a lot, of, or even like Alien Isolation, like a lot of these horror games where one, uh, they're really well designed, they have a really intense uh, atmosphere, uh, immersive atmosphere. 
Um, you know, they have uh, some great concepts, great spoopy moments, great, especially for, um, I guess, like more some of the more sci-fi or like fantastical horror games. Uh, like, like these really great concepts that just push the envelope of like imagination. Um, which, uh, and like that immersion is like half the fun. Like, that's why I love horror video games. But I guess the other reason why I'm really terrible at it is because um with those particular games that i mentioned you can't fight back <laughs> you don't have any weapons for, for the most part and you just gotta run for your life and you know when you run and you get stressed out and your adrenaline's up and you tend to make mistakes and i make a lot of mistakes and i die a lot <laughs> so um yeah so that's the thing. Like I, I, I enjoy horror video games, but I'm, I'm very terrible at them. Um, and like just with the luxury of time nowadays, like I, you know, I just don't have as much time to invest in video games, which it's kind of sad. But that's just how it is. Um, but from time to time, like I do, I do really enjoy watching youtube loves to play videos and it's, it's one of those things where you can play in the background you can do something else so it also uh, takes the stress out of having to play yeah 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 i mean well, like when i get really stressed out when i play horror games i just start screaming a lot but not like in fear more like out of frustration at myself oh yeah oh yeah and definitely and, and if especially that that escalates and stacks especially like let's say you're you, you're stuck on this one segment of the game or one level, it's like uh, you get killed by the same monster thirty times, and at that point, it's just like, well, I, I'm just not having fun anymore, and it's just, it just this is this feels like work. I have I take so many breaks when I get to that point. Like if I'm stuck on something for what feels like far too long, I will put it down, walk away, like go for a walk, just like forget about it, and then come back and do fine. Yeah, it's like. I don't know, like studying, studying for a test or something like that, or doing some... No, I I studied for... I made my... I, like, locked myself in and studied, like, all night. Yeah. I don't do the same... I don't take the same liberties with video <laughs> games. <clears throat> yeah, for me, like... Uh, I guess... I get... I don't know. I'm not, maybe I, I'm just not as patient when it comes to games. It's just... If I especially i mean because i i'm all i I love the stories of all like like some of these horror games especially like the the more recent ones uh some of the more indie ones um they just have incredible immersive storytelling and and narratives and that's my that's my bread and butter and i can't experience it if i keep on dying it's like oh and then and then i take a break and that break becomes uh extended break and then it becomes a hiatus and then next thing you know it's like oh I haven't played this game in like six months. I should revisit it. Oh my god! <laughs> and then you forget where, and then you forget where you're going, and yeah. But so that's so that's my spoopiness for this episode. It's just you know, um, my my inability to survive in horror horror video games. So, um, and then both of these were recommended by Ryan. Uh, these are my first times seeing these two flicks um i really really enjoyed them uh you know bougie film critic 
greatness aside, I these were fantastic. So, uh, Ryan, how about we start off with Brain Scan? I had actually seen this one before. Um, I hadn't seen the second one before, though. That was a first for me. But what I love about Brain Scan is, like, it's so clearly done in the 90s. But it has this, like, supposed future feel of it between the technology and the video games and the phone calls that they make and all that stuff. Like, there's something very, like... It's very retro-futuristic. It's like, it's like an alternate yeah. 90s and... Um, it's like if we hadn't killed the Earth, yeah, and we decided to do everything the smart way. This is what the '90s would have looked like. But I, <laughs> I think it really, I think it really holds up. I think it does like, too. Like, uh, and one of my, one of my biggest, one of the things that I'm most fond of is the fact that we have Edward Furlong. Um, who's the main character. And this is still when he was riding that teen idol wave. Uh, this was after he was John Connor and Terminator. This was after American History X. I think this was either around or after Detroit Rock City. I, um, But yeah, he's, uh, this movie was released in 1994. So, uh, I guess both of us around this time, we were maybe like, what, seven or seven or eight, nine years old. We were wee ones. Yeah. Um, so Edward Furlong is the main character. Um, then you also have, uh, your antagonist, uh, the trickster, which you have to dress uh, up as. For yes. Halloween. I have to, I have to be the trickster. He is amazing. Um, Who's played by T. Ryder Smith? I <laughs> I love how I'm sorry I'm jumping way ahead, but this is like one of my favorite moments with him. Uh, the main character goes down to talk to somebody and comes back upstairs, and there's food from his fridge everywhere. Oh, and the trickster is has obviously like eaten all of it, but is sitting on the bed eating a raw whole chicken, and it's like I fixed myself a snack. I hope you don't mind. Now this kid has been gone like... for like five minutes. <laughs> It's like, how, how did you, wait, why, why? And there's like chips all over the floor. And then, and then and the trick just starts eating what looks like, like pieces of banana with like, mustard. Or... Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like chopped up bananas and, and sausage. And then he's, he's slapping on mustard and on it. And he's just eating with his hands. Oh my like, God, I hope you're, they paid him well. To you're do fantastic. That I love you. Disgusting. <laughs> it, it was pretty great. I feel like his um, look is also like kind of iconic to '90s horror, though. I mean, maybe not as iconic um, as the scream mask, but like for the people who knew, like those, those not quite cult movies, but they did well enough. Type, you know, like they they mm. they tugged that fine line. Yeah. Uh. I According to the production notes, um, I think they, they were saying how the trickster character was pulling inferences or a reference or I guess homage to Alice, oh, Alice Cooper, which I can definitely see. I can see that. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and like, like you said, um, uh, Edward Furlong's character, Michael, uh, very, a huge horror fan. So throughout the movie you see vignettes of his room and you can see like 
movie posters for like Frankenstein and Nos- Nosferatu and Sus- Suspira. Uh, I would so, say he's got yeah, good so taste. I'll give him. He that. has very good taste. Um, so just a sh- uh, quick premise: This is a sci-fi horror film. Um, sci-fi horror being one of my favorite uh, subgenres. Um, so you have Michael Bauer, who's more or less he's not. He's not a full orphan, but, like, he's basically estranged from his father. His mother died um, in a car accident. So he lives alone a lot. Uh, he's very much a loner, uh, isolated. He only has one best friend. Um, he did start a horror movie club, though. That's, this is true. This is true. Um, like, dude, what school did you go to? I, yeah, I, we, I mean, do you think that would fly? No, absolutely schools? not. Mm-hmm. You would never be able to get away with that now. Absolutely yeah, not. I feel like you could get away with a lot in the nineties. Well, why yeah, I was, but I the feel 90s like is the you, best. <laughs> you couldn't. You couldn't make a uh, genre-specific uh, movie club nowadays. I don't think. I think that it would have to be sort of a combination of everything for it to remain educational, so that they could let you do it during a free period. Mm. And I, I think you would have to have. Oh, well, I mean, most clubs have to have a teacher to sponsor the club i mean unless you have a super cool you know high school teacher or middle school teacher who's just completely lax and is just like yeah sure do whatever you want i had teachers like that um i'm trying to remember if there was a i mean the closest thing back in the day and in high school we had a a filmmaking club um which didn't really we didn't really do a lot of filmmaking we it ended up being like a more of a, a film theory class where we just watched really famous and indie flicks and then we talked about it afterwards. But I don't re- recall ever watching a horror movie in that club. So uh, we gotta change that. We got we gotta change. We gotta ch- we gotta go back in time, Ryan, and, and fix this. So anyway, um, Michael is a huge fan of horror films and in, pic- in particular horror video games. And I really liked how retro futuristic uh, he- these games are, because like the one they're, they're it's they're like CD like they're like interactive CD-ROM games. Um, but at the same, did we have any of those when we were kids? I don't even remember that. See, it's that. it's very. Um, Gosh, um, I don't think we did. I mean, I I I recall playing game like you know games on the PC um, using regular CDs, but uh, well, it's strange because like he he uses like two different types of CDs. You have like one CD that's like it's like a CD but encased in a plastic casing, so it looks like a fusion between a cd and a floppy disk or like a like a a track and then he just starts yeah. using like regular cds and stuff um but anyway so he he plays a lot of these games and uh his best friend kyle tells him about a new uh ultra realistic uh experimental game called brain scan which uh uses a like I guess like uh, light emitting signals to interact with the brain to create a super realistic simulation. Um, so Michael gets a copy of Brain Scan, 
Um, and then we get to the initial conflict, which spurs the rest of the movie, where it is super intense, super visceral. Um, uh, it's possessed by this entity called the Trickster. And shortly after his first time playing the game, um, he 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 murders someone. Well, yeah, that's how that's how they get him to play in the first place. The whole the premise of the game was you're in the mind of a serial killer, so and you have to get away with it. Right, you're playing as him, so you have to think like a killer, which a kid can't really do. Like, I don't care how many true crime books I read. I will never be able to think like a killer because I don't think I could ever kill another human being unless I absolutely had to. Yeah, uh, it's... I mean, there's a lot... I mean, that's... I mean, you know, when you grow up in a society, you you have mores and morales and you have a developing superego, so you have all these barriers and subconscious uh, blocks to, you know make you not like a killer or just make you not like an animal like that uh but everyone has id and that's what uh the trickster uh is basically he's uh like the dark animus of michael made manifest through this uh is ominous um his ominous uh game and it becomes this struggle with michael because he he, um he goes through the game he murders someone and it's i really love the device of how uh he plays the game and then it goes into like this mind warpy cgi like this not super super cheesy 90s cgi segment and then he wakes up snaps awake and he's all sweating um he's he we see like a, a, a montage of the action of the murder taking place. Um, like almost an hour has passed and he has, uh, but it only seems like seconds. And then, um, and then later we find out, or he finds out that a murder has happened in his suburban sleepy town where nothing really bad happens at all. And then cue the rest of the movie and all the crazy shenanigans that happens afterwards. It's actually, like, a really brilliant premise, I feel like. But I would like to see... This is one of those few movies where I would be like, yeah, sure, you could you could remake this. You could reboot this. And it could be something completely different. Now, granted, I think it would be a little bit more gory if we did it now, but certainly the technology would be slightly more on point. Yeah, and I you could... I mean, the technology nowadays has advanced so quickly. I mean, um, you could do it something similar with, like, VR goggles or... Yeah. I mean, and you also... I mean, we'll talk about talk, this, talk more about this later in the episode, but um, if anyone's a fan of Black Mirror, um, there are certain tropes and tones and features that are are prevalent in both brain scan and stay alive that they also reference in in um episode three of no episode two of season three of black mirror called playtest um and what's great about black mirror it's you know it takes place in like the near future so like and they provide like dystopic visions of 
a future played by cyber like like the what if, like what if cyber goes wrong and like in various modes and they do one about horror video games um so i feel like you know if they take cues from black mirror and black and brain skin they make a twisted cyber baby together you could have a very nice remake yeah i i know we have like the means to do it so I'd be excited and curious to see what a movie like Brain Scan would look like nowadays. Who would play the modern day or the the reboot version of the Trickster? Cause um, Doug Jones. Oh, okay, I can see that. He's a character actor already. I could absolutely see him playing the Trickster. I mean, and just like him in general, he's just. He's so interesting to look at, so I feel like you could either do complete and total prosthesis the way he usually does his work, or you could even do like half a prosthetic with him because I feel like he's just so interesting to look at. But part of the reason why he likes doing character acting like that is so that nobody really knows what he looks like. <laughs> so I would I would say he should play the trickster in a in a remake. I think um just to add on to his amazing horror pedigree, I think Bill Skarsgård would be my choice. Because oh. he's tall, he's lanky, he's got like cheekbones that can cut cut marble and steel, and uh, and like the trickster was very gaunt and like had a, like an excellent bone facial structure. So I think, and I, I want to see Bill Skarsgård with like a crazy like eighties. Uh, heavy metal mullet ha- uh, hairdo. I think it'd be amazing. That is also what, like, hot pink? Yes. Oh. It's Chris's It's Chris's second ideal yeah. hair color. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I, I could... Alright, I'll jump on that, oh, yeah. too. Um, But who would you want to see play the kids? Oh, gosh. I, any no. of the kids from It, let's be honest. Just any of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any um, <laughs> this is true. Um, you know what? Finn Wolfhard. Finn Wolfhard is great. Um, may, uh, you know, I would like to switch it up. I want Millie Bobby Brown to play the the main character. Because I love her. She's awesome. And Finn Wolfhard is getting a lot of love. I think we should spread the wealth around a little bit. So, I mean, not to to disparage Finn Wolfhard. He's he's amazing, too. I just loved him as Richie, so I feel like after doing that, he could totally... Well, how about... Okay, so how about this? Or he could be... Or what about the guy who who plays Will Byers? Okay, if we're going to have Millie Bobby Brown as the main character, then you could take the kid... You could either take the kid that plays Will Byers or Finn Wolfhard as the... The the boy next door. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I... Yes, I like this casting. This is great. Done. Okay, so who's playing Kyle? Uh... Oh. uh, And I'm not suggesting you change the name Kyle by any means, for the record. There's a Kyle in Child's Play. Uh... Trying to think of kid actors... Well, what about the redhead from season two of Stranger Things? Oh, um, um, um. I can't remember her name. The, well, oh, season two, Ma- uh, Mad Max, uh, Maxine. Yes! Is there, um, yes. Yeah, it's Maxine, it's Mad Max. Um, good choice. I. We just picked all the Stranger Things kids. <laughs> yeah, basically take all the Stranger, Stranger Kids things. Uh, Stranger, oh my gosh. Um, hmm. Man, I really don't know who's big nowadays in 
kid after them. But even if they weren't, I don't know enough. I don't. I don't know enough child actors for me to uh, sort of cast something like that. I think what's great about the the cast of Stranger Things is the you know they they look their age and I I feel like I feel like with Michael and uh, oh gosh um, Kimberly. I think, what what would you place them like? Freshman or sophomore of high school? I think that's what they're supposed to be. Yeah. But they look much younger. Yeah. And I th- I think, I mean, this, the cast of Stranger Things, they look they look up age appropriate in like, you know, as t- teeny tiny high schoolers. So I think that's, I know what, Stranger Things. Just pull everyone for Stranger Things. It'd just, be great. Pull the, just pull the cast of Stranger Things. That's fine. <laughs> So, um, getting back on track, Ryan, what are your overall thoughts about the movie? Um, I, I loved it, and I, I, I think it's just a very interesting premise. Um, and I just, just the trickster's just chewing the scenery, and he's playing like this mind game on Michael. Is like I'm doing this to help you, but he's just creating more work and more opportunities to for Michael to like slip up. To, uh, I mean, he's 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 constantly saying, "Oh, we gotta kill more witnesses, or we gotta cover up tracks." Well, he also tries to help him, in a sense. "Quote unquote help." Well, there was I can count maybe one instance where he like legitimately tried to help him. So Frank Langella plays the detect the homicide detective that heads up the whole investigation, and he says to him uh, when Frank Langella comes to the door. Because Michael had skipped school that day, which right, the day after his friend gets murdered, you've got like a 50-50 shot of the cops coming to knock on your door because it looks suspicious. You could either be overwhelmed with grief and you decide to stay home, or you're guilty as fuck and you decided to stay home. Well, also Michael did call Kyle's phone. To make sure he wasn't dead, which he, he was. He was toast dead. Oh, so just, just uh, if you haven't seen this movie, uh, spoiler warning. Okay, we have to stop with the spoiler alerts. There's an eternal spoiler alert on this podcast. You listen to it, you're going to get spoiled. I know. <laughs> but uh, the trickster convinces Michael to take care of an eyewitness, so he plays Act 2. So like he, another mysterious disc arrives in the mail, he plays it. Is that the one that he made out of his blood, or was that the third one? That was the third one, I believe. Is either the third or the fourth one. Um... But then, uh, when he wakes up, he goes to the fridge, because the, the the previous night, um, he opened up the fridge and found and just to confirm whether or not the murder, the first murder, was real. Um, and in this dream, the dream slash game sequence, uh, he chops off the dude's leg, and or a foot, and the foot was missing, and it ended up in Michael's fridge in his room. Uh, so he opened it up the fridge the second time and he, he found uh the necklace of kyle um sitting in the freezer so it's implied and we and then we cut to kyle's room in the next couple of scenes and uh his best friend's kyle's got got killed dead got deaded got deaded got deaded real good my nitpicky thing for this particular movie was the fact that the and i i know this I know people are probably going to eye roll at this, but this really kind of irks me. The news report that they were doing when they talked about um, the first murder, 
no news station would be allowed to say that a foot was missing because the whole idea is to leave out a detail only the killer would know. And if you're dealing with somebody who's a serial killer, like they had thought, they wouldn't have released that detail to the public. That was like my one thing, and this is just because I read a lot of true crime and stuff like that. They don't release those kinds of details to the public, so I was just sitting there and I was like, I want to shake my computer right now because that's not okay. I mean, in general, like, like when you talk, when you say, when we, when you talk about true crime, like, Frank Langella, if you wanted to make a rock solid airtight case, uh, he didn't. He, like, he, like, illegally entered Michael's home without a search warrant and just, and, and like, collected evidence. Yeah, he collected the ashes. He was just like, the kid was burning. I mean, it was good detective work. He was like, it's in the middle of the summer. That kid was burning something. That's not all right. Yeah, which is, yeah, it's great. But then he's like, he acquired it illegally and they could be contested in a court of law later. Oh, yeah. But again, this all leads up to, spoiler alert, the fact that it's not real. It's not real. Oh, spoiler. (laughs) So I could sort of like brush that under the rug and be like, all right, I see what you did there. Um, But when Frank Langella initially comes to the house, the trickster even says to Michael, Michael, don't go downstairs. Do not talk to him or else he's going to nail your ass to the wall. Like, you were in at school today. What do you think that looks like? Yeah, that's another thing about, I I don't know if he'll get away with, I mean, well, I guess, I mean, his dad, his, his, his dad's always away and business trips. His very absentee dad, which, by the way, was another giveaway that we should have realized. When he talked to his dad, his dad said he was going to be home in a day, and two more days had passed. I, I feel it was like th- maybe three days. I don't know. And his dad hadn't come home yet, and I'm like, either he killed his dad or there's some continuity error in time here. Yeah, and I mean, wouldn't the police, like, if I was Detective Langella, I'd be like, where's your parents? Where's your guardian? <laughs> well, yeah, but also he can't, because Michael's technically a minor, he can't speak to him without a lawyer or a guardian present. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is true. So he did that illegally. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're saying is, so what we're saying is, whatever neighborhood this is, their police department sucks. <laughs> Okay, we're getting, like, really nitpicky about this, but I was very enjoyable to watch. It really was. Like, I did have a lot of fun while I was watching this. Yes. Don't hire Frank Langella as a homicide detective. Just saying. Uh, please, please don't. <laughs> but there were some, there were some slightly gory elements to this, which I liked. Very, like, 80s slasher movie. Um, not quite 70s, like, Wizard of Gore, very, like, 80s slasher, though, between the first killing, you don't really see too much of anything else, but the trickster does do some stuff to himself that... Oh, I love, like, he, like, pokes his eyes out and, like, green goo, or he he starts bleeding and it it regenerates. Mm Mm-hmm. And then his eyes are fine. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed those effects. I just, I, I enjoyed the, the movie overall. I, uh, so basically what ends up happening is after, actually he does, now that I'm thinking about it, he does play all four discs. The first disc was the first kill, which was the old man. The second disc was... Kyle. No, that was the third one. The second one was, wasn't it a cop? Oh no, that was the third one. The second one was Kyle. The third one... No, no. The second one, he he, he kills Kyle. The third one, it, the th- 
the third one it didn't require killing it required him covering up tracks uh because comes of his limp but then a cop well two well the principal ends up dying by accident because uh, uh the there was a neighborhood watch and then the principal caught Michael uh, in a construction site and I uh, they accidentally knock over a giant um scaffolding rig full of bricks and the principal dies and then uh, a bunch of trigger happy other neighborhood watch neighborhood watchers accidentally kill a cop uh and then the fourth disc um uh the trickster uh tries to get michael to kill kimberly who saw michael come back in the middle of the night after the the neighborhood watch debacle right so she was a witness too yes and she wrote an article about how much he misses kyle whatever and it was basically just sort of tying up loose ends and getting rid of the last person that could connect him to any of this and he's in the room and he can't he can't do it and there's like this weird like stalkery love confession like they've been stalking each other through each other's windows for like ever yeah so so let's talk about that let's talk about the b plot between the will they won't they relationship between kim and my but there was no like real chemistry between them yeah it's it was like in high school i I mean i know the way high school is like portrayed on tv and not every high school is like that it was it was very straight like they barely interacted so i mean they they confessed their love for each other and then the power of love saves michael but there there's 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 no i I mean, I guess it, it could happen, like, off-screen before the events of the movie, but it didn't... It, it felt like it, the movie didn't earn the foundation towards that great, you know, turning point. And two, and two, I, I, I... Maybe this was a feature of the 90s, but there's just, like, this weird, strange voyeurism going on, where, like... Uh, I mean, this actually, this ha- kind of happened in Stranger Things as well, but uh, Michael... And like tapes and photographs, um, Kimberly and like Kimberly, like like Kimberly knows that she's being watched. I I guess you know in hindsight, like she's like dressing. It was fine with it. Like she keeps her door open or windows open. She keeps her shades up, her windows open. She like in the beginning of the movie, she's undressing, and you see her like turn and like side eye the window to like check to make sure he's looking. Yeah, and then the and then the mirror is because if I'm checking to make sure that someone's looking through my window and I see someone looking through my window, they're getting like a fist through the face. And two things about this, like one, only in the '90s could this happen. Cause <laughs> yeah, you could get away with that now. That's the other. See, that would be like the one problematic thing of doing of remaking that movie now because you're dealing with younger kids so to offset that they would cast older people as as college students or something like that to make that because you know what if they're gonna remake it now they're have to they're they're gonna have to include the nudity i think you could do without no no if we're gonna no we we gotta keep the stranger kids things but we're just gonna cut we're gonna cut we don't 
we don't we can cut out the we don't we don't need that strange voyeurism. This is 2018. No, I agree with you. You don't need it, but I'm telling you, if someone were to reboot this now, there's no way they would make it with age-appropriate children. They would make it college-age kids so that the nudity would be acceptable and the weird voyeurism angle would be acceptable, which is why I don't like Hollywood yeah, sometimes. You can... Because you don't need that. I mean, that that was the most like problematic and like eyebrow raising part especially like the, the reveal at the end it's like like again it's, i know it's supposed to be like the, it's supposed to be the power of love but kimberly's like oh, you were watching i knew you were watching me the whole time i was watching you and she it's, she starts pulling out photographs of her snapping photos of him while he wasn't looking it's like oh okay it's just like well, I, uh, there were parts of it like i understood what age they were going for but these kids look so young now granted i don't look my age either and i probably looked like that when i was in high school but that being said it makes it that much more uncomfortable that these kids don't look the age that they are portraying. Yeah. It and just, like, it makes you feel really skeezy. Yeah, and it's... Uh, yeah. I, I feel like, I mean, I don't know the canonical ages of the of Kimberly and Michael in the flick, but I know, like, Kimberly... Kimberly looks older than, Mike, uh, than Michael, and it's... Edward Furlong just has like a he has like a baby face kind of thing. Like he looks super young for like X amount of years, and then he got old. I don't know. It's just it was it was quite it was it was it was like the one black mark in this in this movie. It's like this it feels so uncomfortable. Like I I know what they're trying to do, and I it's just ugh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just. We well, in the remake we will solve all these problems, Ryan. It'll be fine. Okay, great. Who's gonna give us the funding? Uh, we'll figure it out. There's, I mean, there's there's, you know, the Indiegogo, Kickstarter. You know, we'll you know, or we'll, we'll just we'll, we'll we will pitch it to Blumhouse Studios. Jason Blum, give us your horror monies. So um, I wanna I wanna pick your brain about the ending. I gave it one huge eye roll, but I laughed and was like. Okay. Yeah, it was. It's a sort of like, uh, you know, it's a. It, it was all nicely, nicely wrapped in the bow. It was like, oh, it was all a dream kind of thing. Well, no, it was all the the simulation of the game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, again, going back to playtest, it has a similar plot twist where, um, you know, we both the character in Black Mirror and Michael. They go through various stages of waking states. Like, oh, we're in the game. Oh, now I'm in real life. I'm in the game. Oh, I'm in real life again. And then, but it was all, you know, all within one larger game. So in the very, very end, Michael wakes up. It's still the same night where he first played the first disc. So uh, just to check, uh, he goes outside. Um, There's the same parties going on across the street. Kyle's still alive and he's overjoyed. He takes it upon himself to... Uh, ask Kimberly out on a date and it becomes this shy she turns him down yeah yeah but then she kisses him so who knows teenagers teenagers be cray uh, <laughs> I rolled my eyes it was like oh okay I I, I guess you know, I was expecting it but I liked how in the end it became a sort of like the whole video game experience became a like a turning point in Michael's uh, state of mind, because at the beginning of the film, he's he's in the quote-unquote wasteland, like he's 
he's a he's a shut in. He constantly pines after Kimberly, but doesn't make a move about it. He's frustrated about his father being away all the time and not having a proper relationship, and his mother's gone, and um, or the fact that he doesn't have a lot of friends. Um, and then I guess like it's that sort of Fight Club kind of thing where like that um, that one scene Raymond Kessel thinks he's got to die but then he doesn't die and then the next day like breakfast breakfast has never tasted sweeter so that is that kind of thing where michael has like a newfound appreciation for life he's not gonna take it for granted he's gonna take some risk carpe diem and i was like oh this is great and then i i maybe like the trickster was like some weird weird demented sort of guardian angel looking out for him they did have that one moment before everything ends where they combined and they like morph oh so cool and half of michael's face is all like distorted and gross and he has, like his and his eyes are the same color as the tricksters uh, right side of his face is like super like black and veiny and like all gross oh it was great i loved it and then that's when franklin jella comes in and calls him a murderer and he shoots him and that's when it's like game over yeah it's like oh also, you know, like, he made the wrong choices, so he died. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Restart. Reset. But the best part of this, though, is, is after he was done and he asks out the girl and he does this and he does that, he takes brain scan to school and gives it to the principal. Who banned the horror movie club. Shame on him. Right. And said, I want to show this game to the horror movie club. Because now he says that everything has to go by him. Um, like, he has to screen everything to make sure it's okay. Yeah, the principal put the band hammer. And he hands him brain scan. And then the trickster shows up. And he's like, and it's like, oh, okay. And then, and like, and now the Michael and the trickster have, like, this strange bromance. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Well then. It's like, you gave me a gift. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The trickster... He's, you know, in the end, he was he was looking out for Michael. So yeah, well played. Kind of. Um. So all in all, it was total '90s realness, and I liked it. Yeah, it was very, it was very fun. Apparently, on Rotten Tomatoes, it got a 17, percent and it's like screw. It's like you know what? Screw that. It's great. You don't know. You don't understand what you're talking. Uh. So how about we talk about Stay Alive? <laughs> uh. This was bad, but great. So, <laughs> this movie, I okay. All right, where do we start with with the with the jumbled up crossing over of worlds? Yes. Because like, okay, so in in Brain Scan, there was like a nondescript. Uh, like, where do we start? Okay, well, it's it could have been fucking anywhere. This place, I had no idea where they were supposed to be until I heard the words Magazine Street. I'm like. Is this really supposed to be in Louisiana? I was like, are y'all in fucking New Orleans right now? And then I saw a streetcar and I was like, yep, y'all. Okay, great. So, out of everything supernatural paranormal wise that exists in New Orleans that you could have done research on and picked from. No, they took a pastiche of everything. Did they, did they though? Did they though? Did they though? The basis for the video game was based on someone who didn't step foot in the United States of America. You could have chosen the Axeman of New Orleans. That was, they never caught that fucker. You could have done a video game based on him where you are the Axeman or you have to, I don't, I don't make fucking video games, but you could have done something within 
you know, the city that you're putting this in. Otherwise, what the fuck are you doing in, in New Orleans? Why name drop all of the shit? Why show us Bourbon Street? Why show us all of that? I mean, do I like the villain they used? Uh, yes, because I find her case completely fascinating. I appreciate that it was a she, but it just, it, it didn't, it didn't fit. And also they used the Malice Magnificarum to tie into all of that too, which has fuck all to do with the villain. Again, they're like, they, they took a bunch of video game inspiration to some horror stuff and like, let's put it in Louisiana and they put it into a blender and see what happens. And, and you got this movie. I, I still enjoyed it. <laughs> I didn't know. Oh my God. No, no, no. I do too. The acting was fine. The writing was horrible. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and continuity. And, but it was enjoyable yeah. as shit to watch. Oh yeah. And I think it has a lot to do with the, the actors. Like, um, Frankie Muniz. Like, oh, I had... What are you doing here as, like, the twitchy... Well, this movie came out in 2006, so that's probably before he decided he didn't want to do anything else. This is true. Yeah. My gosh, this movie's 12 years old. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Frankie Muniz like, as a twitchy... Well, he's not the main character, but he's, he's um, like, a twitchy, like, super intelligent, maybe, maybe Asperger's Syndrome kind of character. Um, and then you have Jimmy Simpson... Uh, as Finn, one, one, uh, like a sort of, um... Phineas? Yeah. Uh, he, he's like, a, he's like the asshole of the group, but he means well. He's like, he has like a heart of gold, sort of, and, uh, his career has, you know, you know, jumped off. He's like, he's very well known in roles for, uh, House of Cards and Black Mirror. Um, the others, oh, uh, what's his name? Um, Oh God! Um, oh, uh, Milo, uh, Milo, uh, Milo Venti Meliglia, uh, who plays Loomis. Like he was like the first character who dies. Uh, I mean, he's most well known for being Peter Petrelli on Heroes. Um, Wait a minute! He was probably the best actor of the bunch, and they killed him first. The house, the house that they used as the premise for the video game until like. The, well, at least the interior at first was very, like, Silent Hill-esque, which I really appreciated. Oh, yeah, and they were dropping, like, they were, like, specifically referencing, like, oh, yeah, Silent Hill 4 or Fatal Frame, and and, and there was a bits of, you know, Resident Evil in there. Oh, yeah. Um, And then, yeah, so it, it, like, that was one of the things that I, I found weird is, like, they couldn't pick a... Well, th they were jumping tones of video games to like to draw from so like the beginning of the films um or the beginning of the film is very much like fatal frame silent hill resident evil you know you're stuck in a creepy haunted mansion uh you got a lantern you got like a lighter you can't really do much and then later uh it becomes like uh resident evil 4 or house of the dead where everyone's running and everyone has like machine guns it's like oh okay well, this is a, this becomes action horror and like, you know, survival horror and action horror, like, you know, two very different play styles and tones. How about sentient survival horror? Yes. Um, yeah, maybe we should back, back up a bit and, 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 and why, and tell the audience 
uh, why is it sentient action horror? So you find out that the game wasn't developed by a gaming company. It was actually the spirit of the villain of the game is. It's like a, the 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 game used a uh, used like a summoning spell and like it acts like a seance to raise a ghost of a really horrifying real life woman. I might add, she was actually terrifying. Because of everything that she did. But when we'll get to that in a second, I'm saving that. So, video game video game development no-nos. You, sh- you should be, like, for one, you should use proper quality assurance testing. Because it's a big trope between, like, these, this movie and Brain Scan and Playtest from Black Mirror. is like, the bad shit happens when you, when you have... You don't have all your kinks and glitches worked out. So, you're either, like... Summon a demon, or summon a techno goblin gremlin rock star dude, or or you fry someone's brain and, lo- and like lobotomize them. And it's like you know you should you should do more more check your work before you do human trials. <laughs> yeah. Plus the fact that maybe figure out which trope you want to go with and stick with it instead of using oh i don't know all of them well again uh this the method the methodology of this movie is just throwing the blender see what sticks um but uh so like the the basic premise uh so loomis uh gets a beta copy of this game called stay alive and it's like the the latest and greatest in horror games um and him and two of his roommates they were playing the game and they later die and their deaths mirror how they died in the video game um so uh hutch uh a friend of loomis um later comes into possession of of loomis's personal effects because they were both huge video game horror fans and then hutch gets the copy of stay alive uh him and a group of friends who are all well they all get together and have a uh an online land party and they start discovering that um if they die in the game they die in real life um so the next murder i believe uh oh it was um it was one of their it was their boss at at work. It's it was Loomis Miller. The boss. It was Miller. Yeah, uh, who was played by Adam Goldberg, which is another great art uh, actor. You know, he was in Days of Confused and Saving Private Ryan and Zodiac and um, A Beautiful Mind. And then it goes into this mystery. Uh, they're trying to discover that. Oh, they discovered like there's like a actual. It's based on a historical actual fact uh, or or mytho- or folklore. Um, there's a seance and this video game's giving power and rise to a demonic entity that's, that's going around killing people in real life. And then later the, the, to raise the stakes, the game starts playing itself. So the evil spirit starts actively picking off people. Um, even if they're not playing, uh, actively, like the game's still running in the background, so to speak. Um, it's great. It's causing all this crazy, weird real life phenomena to happen so like suddenly it's oh it's sunny one second and suddenly like super cloudy and dark the next because she only kills under the cover of darkness exactly mechanics of the game uh 
also reflect in real life. Um, so like one for one example, you could ward off evil creatures using wild roses. So later in the in the movie, the characters start carrying around actual roses and they they throw them around each other or at spirits to warn them off. Um, and then it gets really batshit crazy. Like, like, uh, like it becomes like physics breaking where, um, Frankie Muniz tries to game like the, re the, the reality warping effects of the game to their advantage. Uh, like for example, Frankie Muniz in game is dropping items for other people in the party to use. Like, he, like he dropped in the game, he drops a crowbar, uh, on, on a flight of stairs and then Hutch, a second later, discovers that a crowbar is actually there, so he can, he can uh, pick a lock, and stuff like that happens. I thought that was awesome. I really did. Yeah, I thought that was, that was like, real. I thought it was really, really creative work uh, and usage of, like, of, of, of using a game as a, a plot device and what rules uh, you can abide by um, in the world, so... I thought that was very creative. Do we now talk about the villainess of this horrendous video game? Yes, let's please do. Okay, because this was what I was really excited to talk about. Mm -hmm. So the villainess in the video game that they base everything off of, and this is why I was really upset, is a woman named Elizabeth Bathory. Elizabeth Bathory was a Hungarian countess. And yeah, sure, I get it. You can take a countess from any fucking country and do whatever you want with her. But to stick her in a plantation in the middle of New Orleans with this this giant cemetery behind her, it just, it, it was weird and it didn't work. There are some things that the movie actually did get right in terms of Elizabeth Bathory. And there's that big thing, that big rumor that everybody knows her for and everybody talks about that is the most untrue aspect of her. So... The true part of it is, yes, Elizabeth Bathory did torture and kill young girls. The number is rumored to be upwards of 600 girls that she killed and tortured. However, she did not do it alone. And yes, some of them she did hang upside down, like the way we saw some of the girls get strung up. The one big thing that everybody says Elizabeth Bathory did, and I'm telling you, she did not do this, and I know this for a fact, and I will tell you that in a second, is she did not bathe in the blood of these girls or virgins. It is a total fallacy. That's, that's, uh, what's her name? Carmela? Uh, the vamp- Oh! Oh, God. The vampire Car Carmela? Car I read that yeah. book. That was, that was great. Yeah. Yeah, they probably, they, they probably, like, stole that. And appropriated. Well, actually, it's a it's a rumor that came out of out of listening to all the things that Elizabeth Bathory was accused of and ultimately found guilty of. She did kill, upward like I said, she did kill upwards of six hundred girls, but she didn't bathe in in the blood of these girls. In fact, she did not like to get anything on her. She would change if she got blood on her. So that's kind of the opposite. And I know that kills the fantasy aspect of all of this. Um, and it makes for a great video game. It makes a great premise for a horror movie. So I understand that aspect of it. But in reality, she didn't do it. And we know this because there was at least a group of four other people that witnessed her killing these girls and attested to that when they came forward and were like, okay, it's gone too far. Here's what she did. 
And it was the first time that someone of noble blood like that had gotten accused of something like this and then ultimately put away. What the movie did get right is, yes, they actually did sentence her to one of her castles and they left her there. Just, like, alone to rot and die. And that's exactly what happened to her. And then it becomes... And in terms of video game, like, progression logic, it, it's it's a great setup. It's like, it's like she's she's the final boss, so you gotta, you gotta fight through the mansion, and then fight through the mausoleum, and the catacombs, and then you gotta fight your way up the tower, uh, and, like, one by one, people, people are, like, dying, like, the party's dying, they're getting picked off one by one, and then, and then there's, like, a final showdown, um, at the end. I mean, and they did say in the video game that she wanted to keep it a secret which is true she did want to keep it a secret so part of this thing was she started killing people she started killing witnesses she was actually kind of psychotic <laughs> just 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 a bit um she got a, a just a, a wee bit she got a taste for torturing when she was 15 years old when she was very young when she got married to her husband um who sort of started her on this they they did it together she like watched him do it and then they did it together and then she sort of started doing it on her own but on top of all of this she is still in charge of commerce of her country she's still running castles she's still being uh, a prominent figure of all of this so i will say you know kudos for multitasking girl i mean like really you did you did a great job there um, but she truly was like a horrifying person. I was so happy when they said it was Elizabeth Bathory. It's very cool. And I think, I mean, it's, I think at, on one level, it's like, it's a, it's a great, it was like, oh, this, this is an interesting antagonist. And two, it's like for people who like really didn't know, it's like, oh, oh, nice. Like it's a deep cut. It's a very, well, it has a lot of rich history behind it so oh she's she's completely fucked up i love it what you think about the ending because it had a very i want to get your thoughts because on one hand i thought like you know the, the body of uh her body of the count of the countess was burnt and so technically it should be exercised but the ending shot of the movie we see that uh for the playstation 2 Stay Alive has gone to full release, um, and it ends ominously on the screen, the loading screen opening up, and then the employee of like the person working at Blockbuster or whatever say, uh, start reciting the seance, the poem, which uh, allows the game to start. So does the Countess live on in these video games, or is the curse still there or not? Um, I mean, the movie... Uh, just to provide like that final twist or hook seems to imply that the curse is still there, but I wanted to get your thoughts about it. I considered it as it was still there because at the end you hear the um, poem being read and one by one everybody starts reading it off, including the people that you think survive. Um... So I think they all died. So even without the Countess's real body, I mean, like her her real body in the tower got like burnt and nailed. So her spirit just lives on and it's like duplicated. Yeah. Definitely. Oh yeah, or, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah, I. Okay, cool, great. Because I think there there is also um, 
a belief in the supernatural that you can kill a thing like a body or you can burn it, you can do whatever. But if you still um, believe in it, even the slightest bit, that uh, psychologically is enough to keep it alive. So the Countess is a very screwed up fairy. Because if you think about fairies, they exist. Exactly. So it, for the purposes of this movie and the game, that's exactly what she is. She was an idea that they left into the world. Because when the cop came in and asked the kid behind the counter about Stay Alive, when he got a copy of it in, it stayed with him. So of course the first thing he did was go to play it. And other people are going to play it. Um... And again, that is is a really fucking cool idea as, as like a premise for a video game, as a premise for a movie. It's awesome. Just, I felt like it suffered from bad writing. And I looked up the director of this movie afterwards. Yeah, directed by William Brent Bell? He directed the movie The Boy. The Boy? Um... Did you see that? I don't think so. Oh, you'd remember it. It's on Hulu. I mean, he he's he he did The Devil Inside and we 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 talked about that. Yes. But I haven't seen The Boy. Okay, so The Boy was great until the end. Ah. Oh. So far for me this director has gone like 50-50, but Stay Alive there was there was something there. It was just they didn't quite give it that last push. In terms of the third act or something more overall? Um, well, obviously, in, in my opinion, I, I sort of knew it was going to end the way it did because there's no way you could have something like that and have it just die right there. That would be too lucky. But in, in overall, I just think that there were things that could have been done better. Maybe it was just a general mix of casting. Maybe it was the writing. There were just there were a lot of components there that just ended up making some parts of it look a little bit sloppy. But don't mistake that for me saying like I didn't like it. I did. I really did. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I I enjoyed this too. Um, I think one of the the one of my favorite things like um, I liked how um just to 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 hint that the countess or minions are coming or about to kill someone. They they use the sound effect of the controller vibrating. It's like that. It's like whoa! I will yes. So now I I'll think of that every time I play my video game, my video game like my my PlayStation. I thought it was really creative, really cool. Uh, it just subverts you know something like something that's mundane and everyday into something that's super creepy and that that emotional connection is there now. So. Um, and it's, that's just a, that's a very small detail, but it's just so effective. Cool beans. Um, so there's, is there anything else about Stay Alive you want to talk about or mention? Um, it's not necessarily about Stay Alive. It's more about Elizabeth Battery. If you want one of the better tellings of her history that I've read, um, you should look up the book Lady Killers by Tori Telfer. It's all about female killers, specifically serial killers. And it is the very first story in this book. And if you're into true crime and you like reading about this stuff, that that is a book I highly, 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 highly recommend. Author plug, what up? Um, so do we want to give our ratings for Brain Scan and Stay Alive? So, yes. Um, 
How about for brain scan? How many? How many frozen chickens? I'll give it three and a half out of five frozen chickens. All right, cool. Why? Why? Why not? What happened to the two other chickens? Actually, wait a minute. Yeah, no, I'll give it three and a half out of five frozen chickens, because it still had. Uh, because at the end of the day, okay. it still had its problems. Okay. But it was more enjoyable than Stay Alive. Mm-hmm. Even though they were both enjoyable, I feel like Stay Alive was just slightly more problematic than Brain Scan. Yeah, I I want to give. I want to give, uh, Brain Scan. Also, a three and a half frozen chickens. Um, like again, the biggest mark in that book is just, like the weird. Like, I understand. Like, you, it's 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 uh, it's very popular um, in Hollywood movies to have like a B plot, especially like a romant- romantic B plot. And one, it's like the weird, creepy, strange voyeurism and stalkering that's going on. And two, I didn't think the movie did a good job of establishing or building up the relationship or like the emotional connection that the power that that made the power of love be able to overcome everything in the end because a lot of the film it, it just seemed like you know michael just had an attitude against kimberly and kimberly was just like trying to be helpful and yeah and then in the end it came together but it seemed like a very sharp 180 degree turn but otherwise uh i mean it's still dated still cheesy but i love the film and i love the actors and um it was overall a very fun time um for brain scan how about out of five wild roses you mean stay alive i'm sorry yes stay alive two and a half two and a half okay uh because like i said it was more it was still enjoyable to watch but there were still a lot of problems with it. Yeah. Uh, I will give it... I will give it a... Two... Well, I tend to be more generous. Um, I'm going to give it three Wild Roses out of five. Again, there was... A, it was kind of messy. Uh, there was, like, some weird, like... like it's consistent. Like I don't, I don't want to nitpick, but there was like one of the most, one of the biggest inconsistencies at the end was um, like Hutch was stuck um, in the tower while it was burning, and then we thought that Frankie Muniz died. He did die. But but then and it's like but then he like she shows up at the end. It's like and she died too. But that's what I'm saying. That's why I think they're all dead at the end and they're all stuck in the game. Like, anybody else who would have played that game afterwards would have found them as one of the little dead ghost bodies that pops up. Oh, I see, I see. Like, I think instead of that creepy ghost girl that greets them at the beginning, it's probably one of the players. Like, it's probably October standing outside smoking a cigarette or something like that. Like, I think that that was sort of their punishment for finding out the truth and attempting to get it out there. They are now a core part of that game. Or at least that's just the way I took it. I I really liked how stay alive like play with the mechanics and tropes of video games and used to affect like you know making making crowbars manifest or you know using wild roses in real life and the effects actually worked but by that same logic like 
if in the game you had a segment of like right out of House of the Dead or like an action horror shooter, you know, where you had machine guns mowing down demons, why didn't why why not populate real guns, um, in like the third act and just or just or yeah, so because I guess I guess the quote unquote simplest and most logical explanation for that is that they it still had to exist in real life and even though like it's easier to explain away but guns exist in real life i mean the crowbars exist in real life and frankie mutas dropped a crowbar into existence well put it this way you had cops involved at this point and it's easier to explain away why you have a crowbar in your hand next to a construction site or on a construction site than an illegal firearm yes Okay, I, I will give you that. <laughs> I'm probably being way too logical about this, but like, if you stick like a video game world inside of the real world, like, I feel like there's a there's a, a few points there where it just gets a little bit ridiculous, and I feel like having a submachine gun manifest in front of somebody <laughs> might might be that line. <laughs> also, I have another question: What happened to the police investigation? Because at the end, well, when we left off, there was a police raid on Hutch's apartment. Well, I think they think that Hutch killed the cop that they probably that they found dead in his car because he got in Hutch's face about the video game and like made fun of him for it. Yeah, so like, so they should still be after Hutch unless Hutch is actually dead and he's just imagining his victory. Um, I don't know. I think I think there should have been police swarming the tower because <laughs> now 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 Hutch is guilty of arson and murder. Well, don't forget he had that whole tender moment with that girl in that weird p plot, um, where he was explaining the fire and his mom, and how he. Well, first of all, it's the the whole thing with the lighter throughout the entire movie. I was like, this thing is gonna end in flames, like quite literally. Nailed it. What's with missing moms? Like 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 Ed, like Edward Furlong didn't have a mom. And then Hutch didn't have a mom. Was like, and then, I mean, there's there's just no parents. These kids need an adult, and there's no parents around. And the cops are always trying to take them down. His partner makes fun of Hutch and and ends up dead. Okay, it justifies the raid on Hutch's apartment. If the cops do their homework as well as we'd like to think they do, they inside Hutch's apartment they found the stuff that they were looking at, which means they could have put two and two together. And they would have found their bodies in, again, this is just my theory, their bodies in the house. Now, as per the fire and all of that, he goes through this whole story about how he wishes that if he was strong, if he was older, he would have been stronger and he would have been able to save his mom. That, to me, is like, that's how you're going to survive this. Something is going to get lit on fire and you're going to get out of there because you're stronger now because you're older. The exact opposite happened. He sat in a corner because he felt like he did when he was young again. So there was there wasn't any character growth, like unlike Michael and Brainscan, where he's like, "I will seize the day now because I'm not gonna live in fear, or I'm not gonna, you know, I'm gonna stop feeling sorry for myself." And then and Hutch is like, "I'm st- exactly," which is why I think that maybe that was something that Elizabeth Bathory did, like her spirit, like. I, I don't I don't even know where they were trying to go with using her as a supernatural entity to like fuel the game. 
but the fact that he had that whole speech and then all he did was just crouch there and then the other two somehow busted down the door and like rescued him see what i when i what's her name oh god uh abigail like the abigail she like she appears out of nowhere and for the, a lot of the movie i thought like is abigail like in on it because like, i remember that's what i thought at first too there was yeah there's one scene... I was like, it's her great-great-great-great-great-granddaughter or something. Yeah, and there's this one scene where I think I think everyone was playing the game, and then Abigail was, like, deliberately, like, left out of that montage. It's like, wait a minute. Is Abigail the Countess or just related somehow? But then it, she, she turns out to be, you know, actual just part of the group. So, I don't know. Yeah. This movie, this movie keeps you guessing. Oh, it does a lot of things, Chris. It does a lot of things. Well, yeah. Well, that was my rating. Uh, the three, three out of five uh, roses. Um, just to just to um, put this this perspective, Ryan Tomatoes gave Stay Alive nine percent. <laughs> so, so people like this less than than Brainsk. This was this was really fun. Um, this makes me feel nostalgic for does it make you feel better or worse uh better because i really enjoy both movies um in general and i just wish i had more time for video games and i wish i was better at horror video games um oh god i don't recall i'm blanking on like what if there's any i mean this year is really great for video games but i don't recall a lot of um I guess like triple A horror videos coming out. I'm sure there's like a bunch of indie ones coming out. Um, but the last couple of years, like, you know, the big ones like were like Outlast 2 and, um, oh God. Oh yeah. Outlast 2 came out 2017, I think. Or like, yeah. And then also like, uh, the, the latest Resident Evil, which was great. Um, my all time favorite horror movie, or I'm sorry, horror video game franchise. It's called Dead Space. It's kind of old by now. I think it, it came out... The first one came out 2008. Um, and it was followed up by Dead Space 2 and 3. Um, basically, Dead Space is John Carpenter's The Thing meets Ridley Scott's Alien. And it's so... It is... It is so visceral and bloody and brutal, and it has like this really immersive and really well thought out and excellently written sci-fi horror um, world. And um, the first two games are so excellent. Um, if the first one was really Scott's Alien, Dead Space Two is James Cameron's Aliens and that it introduces a little bit more action into the horror. And the Dead Space 3 was not as good. I think they focused more on the action. I mean, it was still a pretty cool um, installment, but since then, um, you know, the fate of the series, whether it's like another sequel or a reboot, it's been up in the air. Um, but yeah, I'm a huge fan of The Last of Us. Yes, it's so good. That, I mean, there were definitely parts of that game that was anxiety-inducing where I, I, so, 
there's one part of the game where there's a specific type of zombie that you have to walk by. And if you make any noise, they come right for you. I believe they're called clickers. And the noise that they make is just eerie enough. But I found myself like holding my breath as if it would affect the game somehow while I would play those parts. Oh, God. Oh, it is so good. I, I know there are some indie games um, that play with this idea but that would be really cool for like a, a patch for existing games or you know a, a new horror game that extensively utilizes it or um it like taps into your microphone on your controller on your keyboard or on your pc and like you know if you if you make noise you know creatures and monsters react to that noise there is a video game kind of like that not about like sound or anything like that but based on the based on the choices you make it um it affects your gameplay but it's like a psychological it's like a psychological game so anything that you react to like you're afraid of it gives you more of that so it like reacts to you in real time which is fucking creepy oh oh yes Horror AI, yes, please. That that that's great. I can't remember the name of it, but I'll find it for the next episode. Well, speaking of the next episode, uh, Ryan, what can we look forward to next episode? So the next episode, we're talking about little old me and <gasps> things that uh scare the absolute shit out of me, which I'm gonna get laughed at for. I can feel it already, so it's fine. <laughs> and uh, so for for homework, what should our dreadfuls? Watch. The House is October Built 1 and 2. Yes, and both of those you can find on Hulu. On Hulu. Yeah. So, yeah, if you... Yes. Um, cool. So, I think this is a... Uh, this is a I, think, I think we reached a good point. Um, we hope you enjoy the movies and this episode. And if you have any commentary on, like, what other um, horror... Mo- or, I'm sorry, ooh... Uh, video game inspired horror movies um you know you know you can reach us you can reach us on twitter on facebook uh email you know at left for dread pod um and uh we just we love we love to hear from you and if um oh yeah and don't forget whatever list or whatever platform you're listening on so like itunes sound the cloud stitcher uh, we're all on all of those, specifically iTunes. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoyed any of our prior episodes, um, you know, give us a positive rating, give us five stars, give us a review, uh, so uh, more dreadfuls can find the show and join our spoopy family. Um, yeah, and Ryan, we cannot wait for the next episode. Um, Oh, I, I can wait, though. <laughs> you can wait. You can wait. I I, I watched both episodes this morning. Um, or, I'm sorry. Ooh, I watched both movies this morning. Um, I was very pleased with the first one. Uh, second one, eh. So, it's a little bit of a teaser. But uh, we'll get to talk about all your haunted house spoopy fears and anxieties. It'll be great. <laughs> great for all the rest of y'all. Ryan's, yeah. Ryan's not. She's like, no. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thank you, Dreadfuls, for joining us. This is episode uh, episode 13 um, of 
of Left 4 Dread, and we thank you for listening, and, um, you know, stay alive! <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>